Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today we're going to continue our study in the book of Proverbs. This will be study number three of Proverbs chapter one. We're going to be reading Proverbs 1, verses 7 through 9. The fear of Jehovah is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. I'll stop reading there. In verse 7, we we read um, a statement that is found many times in the Bible and also many times in Proverbs. The fear of Jehovah. That phrase, the fear of Jehovah, uh, is said again and again. By my count, this particular word, um, which is uh, Strong's number 3374, there's... There's uh, other references using other Hebrew words, but with this particular word, it's found um, 14 times in Proverbs, the fear of Jehovah. Two times, a, a very closely related word, Strong's 3372 is found. So 16 times altogether, the fear of Jehovah, or the fear of the Lord, is found in Proverbs, and of course it's found many other places in the Old Testament and and even some places in the New Testament. Let's take a look at some of the places where the fear of Jehovah is mentioned in Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs 8, and it says in verse 13, The fear of Jehovah is to hate evil pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. And in Proverbs chapter 10 in verse 27, the fear of Jehovah prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Now, let's think what the fear of Jehovah is pointing to or what does this phrase mean? And actually, there's two things that it's really pointing to. One is the fear of Jehovah, as it said back in Proverbs 8.13, is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy. It's to hate sin. So, someone who is fearing Jehovah will hate sin. But here in Proverbs 10.27... The fear of Jehovah prolongeth days, and and that is, it'll extend a person's life. And, And we can see, yes, on one level, if someone hates sin, they're not going to be involved in sinful things, and sinful things do oftentimes bring illness. Uh, For instance, drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes, doing drugs are things that are harmful to the body 
and do ten to shorten someone's life, their physical life. And so there is an element that where that's true, uh, in physically or or literally, there there's a moral teaching that that can be found. But also on another level, when someone submits to God and does His will and hates evil, they abhor that which is wicked. They they will turn from sin. They will turn from things that are contrary to the law of God. They they will fear transgressing the law. They hate evil. And and God does uh, give um, those that he saves a new heart and a new spirit desirous to do the will of God. And, and that means they want to obey God. They want to keep his commandments. And they want to uh, show forth love to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so that's a positive way of saying they hate evil. They're uh, cleaving to the good and abhorring that which is evil. And, and so they are in the fear of Jehovah when we hate evil. But on another level, this phrase, the fear of Jehovah, is pointing to a person. It's pointing to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fear of Jehovah. The fear of Jehovah hates evil. Christ hated evil. The fear of Jehovah prolongeth days. And that's not just talking about having an extended few years um, in this life, where instead of dying at age 60 or, or 70, you you die at age 75 or 80 or 85. No, uh, ultimately of what significance is that to have a few years added to a, a very short lifespan when God speaks of prolonging days, he has in view eternal life. And the fear of Jehovah prolongeth days. So you see, we have to be careful. We can't think that because someone's hating evil, despising evil and and living uh, more in accord with the will of God, as God lays it out in the Bible, that that will give them eternal life. No, but who does give eternal life? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the embodiment of the fear of Jehovah. In Proverbs 14, it says, beginning in verse 26, In the fear of Jehovah, think in Christ. In the fear of Jehovah is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. You see how it's almost... Um, whose children, if we read it in Christ, is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. We would understand 
the reference to children to refer back to Christ. Well, it's the same here. In the fear of Jehovah is strong confidence in his children. The fear of Jehovah's children shall have a place of refuge. And then in verse 27, the fear of Jehovah is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. And again, Christ is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death, of sin and Satan and and so forth. And the fountain of life is eternal life. Now, let's go to another verse in Proverbs 23. And I'll read verses 17 and 18. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of Jehovah all the day long. Again, we could read that. But be thou in Christ all the day long, for surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. There, it's very consistent when we follow this phrase through Proverbs and, and through many other statements uh, in the Old Testament, the fear of Jehovah is pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it, it also reveals why God says in Romans chapter 3, well, let me just set the context here as he's speaking of Man in his natural fallen state, he says in Romans 3 verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And then, Further down, still discussing the unsaved people of the earth, God says in verse 17, In the way of peace have they not known, there is no fear of God before their eyes. No fear of God. They lack Christ. They do not have the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, They do not have fear of God in the other attributes where the child of God who possesses the spirit of Christ will desire to do the will of Christ, to keep his commandments. But the person who is not saved does not have the spirit of Christ, does not have the fear of God, and therefore they do not desire to do God's commandments as laid out in his word, the Bible. In Jeremiah 32, we find that God uh, tells us that the fear of Jehovah comes as a result of what he has done in salvation uh, as he has changed the heart of the one that he has saved. In Jeremiah 32, It says in verse 38, And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, and I will give them one heart 
and one way, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts, that they shall not depart from me. You see here, God is speaking of giving them, that's the whole company of the elect, everyone that he's ever saved from Abel to the last soul right before he shut the door of heaven on May 21, 2011. God gave them one heart, just one, not 200 million hearts. He gave them one heart. And how could he do that? Well, as he said of David, you are a man after mine own heart, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart. The heart of Christ was the sacrifice of God, and that heart is given to the one God saves as he worked out salvation during the prolonged period of the day of salvation. And every time God saved someone, he gave them the same heart, the heart of Christ, the heart that was broken and contrite through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Christ dwelt within them. The heart of Christ dwelt within them. And notice uh, the Lord said here in Jeremiah 32:39, I'll give them one heart and one way. There's not um, two different ways or, or a dozen different ways. There's only one way. The Lord Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to heaven is through Christ. It's through the path that the Bible lays out, that the Bible speaks of. It. There is no way through the Muslim religion. There's no way through the Jewish religion. There's no way through the Hindu or the Buddhist religion. There is no way other then the Bible religion, there, there's no way to heaven through the Christian church religion. But there's only the way of Christ, the word of God, the Bible. The Bible lays out the way and, and God saves someone, gives them one heart and one way. One way is the truth that that the Bible declares there is no other that they may fear me forever because the Lord Jesus himself is the fear of Jehovah. He is the essence of the fear of Jehovah. He is uh, exactly uh, what that phrase is pointing to of being in as as Christ demonstrated when he entered into the world, born of the Virgin Mary, and lived his whole life in perfect obedience. Uh, 
in perfect submission to the will of God. That's that's what the Bible tells us, that he humbled himself as a man, and he submitted himself unto the will of the Father, even unto death, the death of the cross. And that was highlighted when Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, fell down and besought the Father that the cup might pass from him. And nevertheless, he said, Not my will, but thine be done, three times to indicate the purpose of God was established. And, and even in agony, even in a, a terrible condition of being under the wrath of God, the will of God was being performed by the Lord Jesus Christ. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered, and he was a, a picture, a, a perfect illustration of what fearing God meant in, in its fullness. He, he was showing forth the fear of Jehovah all of his days, all the day long of his life, and he is the essence of that fear. And we receive one heart, his heart, that we may fear God forever. And and then in verse 40 again, God tells us, I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. And how do we not depart from God? By not departing from his word. God uh, is the Word. God and the Bible are inseparable. You you can't distinguish the Word of God, the Bible, from God. Although some people try to do that, they they don't want anything to do with the Bible. Um, some uh, some people who really know nothing about the Bible, they they talk about God. Maybe, uh, for instance, you can find people who will speak of God as they know him and and their feelings about God and what their God would do or wouldn't do. And they're not talking about the Bible. They're just talking about uh, the God of their own mind, the God they have devised out of their own thinking. And yet that is not God. That is not God. God cannot be known apart from his word, the Bible. Uh, uh, well, there can be uh, a vague knowledge of him, yes. You can know there is a God. The heavens declare his glory. But to intimately know him, you you must learn about him through his word, the Bible. R- remember what Jesus said to those They were knocking on the door after the door had shut. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. There was no intimate knowledge through the Lord Jesus Christ, through salvation, and through the word of God. When God says, they shall not depart from me, it it does mean they will have eternal life, but also they will have a close relationship with Christ, with God, and 
they will maintain and uphold the commandments of God from the heart, from their new born-again soul, but there'll be an outworking of that in their life while they're living on the earth. God's people will desire. Here's where that strong desire to do the will of God comes from. They will desire to do things God's way because God has put his fear in their hearts. He has put his spirit, the spirit of Christ, within, and therefore there is an ongoing desire, an intense desire to be obedient, to be in submission, to be humbled before the word of God. And, and so the, the Lord's people try to understand the Bible, to learn what the commandments are, to learn what the doctrine of Christ is, and to abide in that doctrine above all things. It, it doesn't matter how others view them, or what affliction or persecution or difficulties may come as a result. Well, of course, it's unpleasant, and they would prefer it not to be, but the primary thing always is to do God's will and and to follow God's leading through his word, through the scriptures. Okay, let, let's um, go back to another proverb in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, it says in verse 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear Jehovah, and depart from evil. And and again, here God is telling us, when we're in Christ, we will have repentance. We will turn from our wicked way. There, there will be uh, an about face from going the way we were going, the way of the world, the broad way that leads to destruction of doing our own thing. And, and there will be um, more obedience now. There will be perfect obedience from the newborn again soul. But outwardly, in our life, more and more, there will be a turning towards the way of Christ, the, the commandments. And there will be this departing from evil. In Proverbs 16 and verse 6, it says there, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of Jehovah, men depart from evil. Now we, we see it again, where God is joining together the, the fear of Jehovah and departing from evil. Also in Proverbs 16 and verse 17, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. This is the way that God's people travel. This is the narrow way that uh, directs into heaven itself. The way that the world can't go. No, they, they cannot depart from evil. They do not have the fear of Jehovah. They do not have the spirit of Christ. In Job 28.28, we read of the fear of Jehovah, or the fear of the Lord. 
And it says in that verse, And unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. So that's, let's see, how many times is that? Four times, four times that God has joined together the fear of Jehovah or the Lord and departing from evil. So let's take a closer look at that language of departing from evil, which is the word depart is Strong's number 5493. Uh, It's the same word used in all the the verses I just read. Uh, And it's found also in the Psalms. Psalm 34 is one place. Psalm 34, beginning in verse 11. Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of Jehovah. Now that's a different... No, no, that is the same word, I think. The same word fear is in Proverbs. I will teach you the fear of Jehovah. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace, who who would be Christ, and pursue it. And, and that is God's teaching, the fear of Jehovah. The fear of Jehovah involves, uh, and it's said again and again, departing from evil. To say it another way, if we have not departed from evil, we have not the fear of Jehovah. Uh, We do not have the fear of Jehovah, who is Christ within us. We are not exhibiting the fear of Jehovah in our life if we have not departed from evil. If there is no repentance, no turning from sin, if we're continuing on in sin, it is an indicator we have not departed from evil, and therefore it's an indicator we do not possess the fear of the Lord. And and that's a very important thing, to possess the fear of the Lord, because God says in Psalm 37, in verse 27, Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. Of course, that's eternal life. Depart from evil, well, that goes along with the fear of Jehovah. And and doing good, it's not just a negative command to don't do this. Yes, it is. God does command, thou shall not kill, steal, rob, lie. That's true. There, there is the negative command. You shall not. But, of course, there's also the positive. You shall do good. You shall follow the commandments of God. And and the commandments of God um, allow for much good. They allow for things that are uh, connected with with love and peace and 
kindness and gentleness and 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 so forth. But of course, in this world, and and due to our fallen condition and the fallen condition of all around us, uh, uh, the the tendency is to think, well, if I can't do evil, if I cannot be involved in sin, I'm deprived in some way, and and I can't do anything. It is really the mindset of the world, of the people of the world. It, it, have you ever talked to someone and, and you know, as we maybe discussing some point of the gospel of repentance and turning from sin, and they understand it means, well, I can't drink, and I can't smoke, and I can't do drugs, and I can't go to the bar, and I, I can't party, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and then they they look at you and say you're not living that that's why that's often said to the child of god get a life uh, because their life the life of people in the world is wrapped up in sin it it, it revolves around iniquity it, it uh is completely uh immersed in evil in things that are contrary to the word of god from the time they get up to the time they go to bed there there is um for the most part what the people of the world are connected to is a life of sin a life that is against the commandments of god in on on many many different levels and therefore to depart from evil means, well, they, they can't go out, um, clubbing on Friday and Saturday night or, or they can't sit back and have their case of beer over the weekend while they watch the sports games on Sunday or, or all these things and a thousand other things are what they think of, which, which basically has become their life. And, and therefore they, they just think, well, if you stop doing these things, you stop living. And they don't understand. There's a whole world, a whole, uh, realm uh, of the kingdom of God in which there is goodness and in which there is activity. You, and God gives his people instruction. And, and he does tell them, and he, he commanded during the day of salvation, here is what you are to do. Go forth with the word of God, the gospel, and share it, and, and bring my word to all nations, to the nations of the elect. And of course, even in the day of judgment, we saw God said, publish these things. And, and we were to share that information. And, and we're still, uh, you know, it's not as though those commands have passed. We're, we're just at this point in time after October 7th, we're reviewing. We're seeing, well, what is God's directives for us and in, in what should be our focus? And it'll take a little time to review. Well, according to God's timetable until he, um, helps us in that area, but but always there are things that we can do. The, the command to feed sheep 
certainly is in effect presently, and it's a good thing to feed the sheep. It's a good thing to uh, get involved in, and uh, for instance, on Facebook, eBible has many groups. We have a group um, addressed to the Muslims. The Bible answers Muslims' questions, and and over the last month, more than a thousand people have continued to join. There's over seventy thousand people in that group. It's a good thing, and and all are welcome to post scriptures. Um, of course, we we would not want women to teach, but women can post scriptures. They can post links to other things that the Bible has done, or men can can make a statement concerning the the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and and all can pray for those people that that have joined that group, or pray for the many thousands in these other groups. We have a fictional theory of evolution group, and and so forth. You can pray for um the blessing of the word of god upon these people that god having had mercy might have mercy and we we just can do the things that god allows on sunday to be involved in spiritual things it's a good thing to read the bible isn't it it's a good thing to study the bible well depart from evil and do good and and read the bible Read the Bible today. Why not take three hours and, and sit down somewhere and, and just start reading and read, um, with intent to study. And, and as you're reading, underline some words and check out those words. Uh, continually as we're teaching, we're giving Strong's numbers. I've mentioned a couple already in this study. When you hear them, do you check them out? Do you jot them down and go to Strong's Concordance? Well, you might say, I don't have a concordance. Do you have a computer? You can find the information online. There's also software you can get that will give you Strong's Concordance downloaded on your computer. And why not check out these things? Why not? Begin your own search and your own study in the Word of God concerning the phrase, the fear of Jehovah, or concerning any other word. That's a good thing. That's taking our mind and turning it to that which is good. It's pursuing good, pursuing peace. And remember that wonderful statement that God says that uh, in Isaiah... Uh, better turn to it. It's been a while since I I looked at it. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. He'll keep them in perfect peace and that would be the Lord Jesus. But it's also a fact the more our minds are focused on the scripture, the more peace we will have. We, we will experience the things that, um, that it we're focused on. 
you know, if we're focused on the troubles of the world, we can expect anxiety. We can expect to feel fear, not of, of Jehovah, but fear of just, just living in the world, fear of men. But turn our attention to that which is good and and any of us and all of us really should jot down a verse and write down a verse and put it on an index card and try to memorize the verse that's training our minds it's training the mind's eye to look to the word of god and uh, and so instead of thinking of evil things we begin to think of good things and and that's what God tells us. Let me just read this in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians 4, verse 6, Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. That that uh, would go a long way to departing from evil. If we turned our mind to the things that are that are good and pure and lovely, and of course you're going to have a tough time finding those things in the daily news or on the TV or in a magazine. No, the only place we can find those things is in the Bible because they all are describing God himself, Christ himself, the Word of God itself. It's a description of the Scriptures, really. Think on these things. Well, um, there was a man that God gives as an example of one that feared God in the book of Job. The man Job is described that way in Job 1, verse 1. It says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Have you ever wondered what that word eschewed means? Well, it's the same word depart. It's Strong's number 5493. It's the word that that we've seen in all those verses in the Proverbs. It's the word that was in Job uh, 28.28, depart from evil. That's what Job did. And and we can see, yes, he's a he definite type of Christ, because God says he was perfect and upright and one that feared God and departed evil. But also... Uh, he's he's a picture of the children of God as we are made perfect and upright through 
the salvation that God has given us freely and and we fear God because he's given us a heart to fear him and we depart from evil sin shall not have dominion over you there needs to be it's a necessity in the life of a child of God a turning from wickedness a departing from evil of course we know what happened in Job 1 uh, Satan accused him to God that uh, God allowed a great many things to befall Job uh, just just terrible things one after the other and the worst um, was that his children were all killed at one time his his sons and daughters his ten children as a house collapsed upon them and he lost all of his riches he he was afflicted from head to toe uh, that may be uh, chapter two, but but that's bad enough. Uh, just terrible things happened to Job, and and that uh, is the setting for chapter two, verse one. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before Jehovah, and Satan came also among them to present himself before Jehovah, and Jehovah said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered Jehovah and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And Jehovah said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity? although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered Jehovah, and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And Jehovah said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. You see, here is that perfect and upright man, one that escheweth evil, and that's why Satan was coming against him, because he was living in accordance with the will of God, and therefore he became an obvious target, because practically the rest of the people around him um, which is typically the situation, uh, as as the elect are are the remnant, they're the few. The majority of people do not live according to the will of God, to the dictates that God lays out in His Word, the Bible, and therefore Job became the target, and God allowed him. All right, you you can you you can come against him and. And already he had suffered many things, yet he maintained his integrity. It says um, at the end of chapter 1, after Job experienced uh, all these terrible tragedies, in verse 21, uh, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. Jehovah gave, and Jehovah is taken away. Blessed be the name of Jehovah. In all this, 
Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And what did he get for that faithfulness, for that obedience? Uh, did, did he um, get anything at that point? No, no, except further testing, further difficulty, further more grievous affliction, uh, as Satan then comes to to God a second time and and accuses him even more. And God allows him to be tested even further, even worse, even more terribly than he was the first time as far as now it's coming to his body and he has sore boils from head to toe. That by itself would would be a grievous affliction. But that on top of everything that he suffered already, it, it, it just it tremendously intensified the affliction of the boils. It, he had humbled himself after experiencing the loss of his livestock, the, the calamities that are mentioned in chapter one and the, the terrible tragedy of losing not one but all Ten of your children at one time, and he he showed um, just just tremendous humility as he fell down before God, recognizing God is God, and and uh, God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of Jehovah. Uh, is there a more fitting um, statement of a, a indicator of faithfulness in all the Bible? It's one thing to bless God's name when all is going well, when everything is fine and and wonderful, when it's a nice uh, sun-shining day. But to do it at that point showed forth just just wonderful, beautiful faith that glorified God. And the next thing you know, it gets worse. He he's not lifted up out of the temptation. He's not spared any further affliction, but the affliction gets worse. And it's all designed, this man who escheweth evil, he departed from evil, it's designed, the affliction is intended to break him of this, uh, this obedience to God, to turn him from his faithfulness to remove him from this upright and perfect condition and to get him to follow all the other men around him, the ones that depart from God. that They don't depart from evil. They've departed from God. They've departed from the commandments of God. That's what's in view by this desire that Satan is expressing that he will curse you to your face if you lay your hand on him. And what would that be? That would be outright sin, to curse God, to, to shake your hand in rebellion against God, to be angry at God. It would be sin like everybody else sins. And that was the point of testing. And and that's where God's people are always tested to depart from this 
um, this craziness, this lunacy. Depart from trying to live your life according to a ancient book like the Bible. Come on, don't you know where we are in time? It's the 21st century. Look around you. Nobody else is living their life that way. And get with the program. Close the book. Put it on the shelf. Put it away from you. Depart from God. Depart from um, doing right. And join us. Join us. And, and do that which is evil. And after all, God has afflicted you. God has brought trials and tribulation into your life. Where is he? Satan could have said to Job. Where is your God? The, the God that you have served. The God that you have been faithful to. The, the God uh, who uh, really is the reason that you escheweth evil. Where is he now in all your affliction? We see this is the patience. This is the battlefield. The, the time when the Job, a man of God, and he was a man like we are, certainly was confused, certainly was troubled. And we read of his anguish in discussion with his friends uh, over the dialogue of the next several chapters as, as he is expressing the, the, the pain of waiting on God, the pain of doing the will of God, of, of wanting to continue to do the will of God in such circumstances. And yet, finally, there, there is a time where God intervenes. There is a time that he comes to Job and Job uh, is humbled and further broken before him and then God exalts him. And and so I think we can see how it's not an easy thing to depart from evil in an evil world. And God isn't trying to to make it sound as though it were. Uh, he, he doesn't... Um, sweeten things and 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 tell us things who he he doesn't hide uh, the truth of the matter no it can be very difficult to wait on the lord to wait patiently on the lord in a time of affliction and yet that is the will of god and it's all part of proving of 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 trying, of testing his people and in the light of accusations from Satan, from the enemy, that, oh, they only serve you because you've put a hedge about them. But remove the hedge. Remove the hedge and they'll curse you to your face. Well, of course, since God has saved his people and he's given them one heart, and put his fear in their heart, they will always fear Jehovah, no matter the circumstances. And Job is a excellent picture of that. No matter how bad things get, ultimately, finally, God's people fear the Lord. They fear Jehovah. Thanks for joining us for E-Bible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. 
For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.